Welcome to Hospitality Forward. We are so thrilled to launch Season 4. Our podcast with the listeners in more than 90 countries is a weekly interview series where we chat with top journalists from around the globe. In each episode, our media guests share their insights and tips on how hospitality and travel professionals can be spotlighted in their stories. My name is Hannah Lee. I am president and founder of Hana Lee Communications, an award-winning public relations agency in New York City. We are specialized in building national and international brands for restaurants, bars, hotels, travel destinations, as well as spirits, craft beer, and wine brands. And I'm Michael Ann Stendick, editor-in-chief of Hana Lee Communications and a food and beverage writer and author. As a journalist myself and Hannah is a PR professional, we understand the power of media coverage and its positive impact on someone's career and business. That's why we created this podcast to give back to the community. So tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcast app and listen to these thoughtful journalists who kindly share their practical advice. We're also excited that our Hospitality Forward podcast is part of the credited university curriculum of the New York Institute of Technology in both the U.S. and Canada for their business and hospitality programs. Hannah and I are also the authors and producers of our agency's first book, The Japanese Art of the Cocktail, an Amazon editor's pick, and a Barnes & Noble Best Book of 2021. It's also available at independent bookstores nationwide. Each week, we give away a copy of The Japanese Out of the Cocktail to our listeners. For a chance to win a book, please share a tip from our episode that you found most helpful and email us at hello at hanaleecommunications.com and remember to have hospitality forward in the subject line. We're delighted to kick off Season 4 of Hospitality Forward by welcoming back Robert Simonson, a freelance writer who covers cocktails, spirits, bars, and bartenders for the New York Times. Robert recently launched The Mix with Robert Simonson on Substack. He was our very first guest on Episode 1 back in 2020, and it's great to have him back on the show. Robert is the winner of the Best Cocktail and Spirits Writer Spirit Award at Tales of the Cocktail in 2019, and his work has also appeared in Imbibe, Vine Pear, and other top media. The Wisconsin native is also the accomplished author of five books. Robert also has some news to share about his sixth book, Modern Classic Cocktails, coming out this fall. Hi, Robert. Welcome back to the show. Great to see you again. Hello. Great to see you again. So you were our first guest of season one, and now you are the first guest of season four. So welcome back. It's nice to be back. Yeah, I remember that. You know, and since our first episode, so many things have changed in our industry for the better. And speaking of good news, let's start with your new e-newsletter, The Mix. Congratulations. And we love it. Oh, thank you very much. Yes. Yes. Started it in late January, on January 19th. We are subscribers and we are huge fans. So tell us why you started 
the mix? Yes, I was thinking about it for a while. Um, as you know, a lot of things changed during the pandemic uh, for everybody. Uh, and everyone started to think differently about um, the way they do their job, the structure of their job, the kind of the framework that they had gotten used to. Um, and uh, I'm a freelance journalist. And um, in many ways, what happened to me during the pandemic wasn't very different from a lot of people. Uh, you lost some work. Um, the uh, newspapers and magazines were floundering. They didn't really know what to write about because there was this new landscape out there. The world had completely changed. Um, I was a bit lucky in that even though my freelance income dipped, um, if I had been dependent entirely on that, it would have been in big trouble. But I was working on a couple books at the time. And so I kind of lived off the advances of those for a while. And then eventually the writing stream came back. You were writing about different things. You were writing about them in a different way. But um, it made me think that uh, I didn't really want to go back to the way I had been uh, conducting my career, to that freelance career. I wanted a little more control. I wanted a little more independence, not having to live by the whims of editors and publishers all the time. Uh, and I've been doing this for like 30, 35 years. So, you know, um, you, you get pigeonholed as a writer. And I am a cocktail writer primarily. And people think of me that way. And that's great. You know, I'm known for that subject. And, and people will come to me when it's time to write about a cocktails or bars. But the downside of that is they will not consider you about any other subject. And uh, I mean, I like to I, like, I, mean, I have other interests, you know, literature, food, travel, what have you, history, New York. But it was very hard to get assignments in, in those areas. So I was observing and looking what other writers were doing. And quite frankly, I had never heard of Substack before the pandemic came around. Um, but suddenly all these writers, some which I knew and some which I had never heard of, were starting newsletters. And... Uh, and some of them were doing quite well with them, and it was getting a lot of attention and a lot of press. And And I started to realize, like, this may be something for me. Um, I talked to some people that I liked and respected how who were doing Substack and, and um, asked for advice and tips and things like that. And I stockpiled a bunch of articles. I got ready. It's been a wonderful experience so far. I, I, I love it. I love the direct connection. To the audience, there is no middleman, um, and I I love to be able to sign myself. You know, if something piques my interest, um, I just you know snap my own fingers and say, okay, write about it. We really like the fact that you know you go really deep. Uh, we we loved your New York Fifty, uh, really giving little portraits of the top fifty cocktails that people should be drinking in the city, and you know many were old favorites of ours, but. You put a whole new bunch on our radars, so we thank you. Yeah, that, see, that was the kind of idea that, you know, I had seen Camper English in San Francisco write something similarly. Um, and it just occurred to me, he says, well, why, why don't I do that? And, and, and the wonderful thing is I did not have to go to publication A or publication B, do a series of emails, try to convince people that this was a good idea. I just did it, and and, you know, it was very easy to do, actually, because I knew what those drinks were. 
right off right off the bat. I mean, I've been going to these bars forever. And and we had no idea that you're actually a hot dog critic to boot. <laughs> well, that's a that's a title I gave myself. That's the advantage um, of having your own newsletter. Yeah, no, it was just a hobby. I, I started to learn about hot dogs because my wife Mary Kate is from New Jersey, and New Jersey is the epicenter of excellent uh, hot dogs and time honored hot dog shacks. I never thought of them in a particular way. I like Chicago style hot dogs, of course, but. But the more I looked into it, the more I realized, I mean, there's a lot of similarities between it and cocktails. Um, it's a very uh, it's very old food. It's a food that is intrinsically associated with America. Um, uh, most of the people who are famous for serving hot dogs are independent uh, people. Uh, they're like family operations. They all do it differently. So there are parallels to cocktails. My favorite part of the mix is the audio part. It's short and sweet, and it's real and raw. And so with that, Robert, you are now an audio journalist. So what type of new skills did you have to master? Yes, those are a lot of fun. We call them field reports. Before we started the Substack, uh, we had a few uh, consultations and meetings with some of the Substack executives. And uh, one of them uh, told me that Ruth Reichel, you know, the, the restaurant critic, formerly with the New York Times and the author, she had started doing these um, vocal memos and just uh, throwing them up on her sub stack. Like she'd be at dinner with some friends and she'd say something for five or ten seconds and then just put it up there. And they, uh, they loved that, um, the sub stack people. And so that got me thinking, well, that's a good idea. That can't be too hard. It is fun. And, and we... I, I do it at the spur of the moment. I don't really plan those. If I go to a bar or a restaurant, uh, something memorable or iconic or fun, and it just occurs to me, I, I'll just, you know, get out the phone, turn on the recording device, say a few words, uh, maybe, you know, take take two, take three, you know, if if I stumble through them the first time. And then I put it up there, and those have proved very popular. There are some people who like those things the best. Absolutely. You know, honestly, I love it because it's short and sweet and it's real. And, you know, you get to feel like you are there without being there. Yes. And I mean, the articles, uh, you know, they're short and they're long, but you do have to read them. With with the field reports, you just like, I don't know, you turn on your phone, you listen, you know, for 30 seconds, you're done. How, how are subscriptions going, Robert? And do you know where your audience is primarily located? Uh, subscriptions are going well. They went well right out of the gate. I was surprised. Um, there is There are two options. There are well, actually three. You can do a free subscription in which you just get the Monday newsletter. You can do a weekly paid subscription. Then you get everything, get pay on a monthly basis. And you can get an annual subscription. You pay for the whole year and you get everything. You know, during the first month, we made everything free. And I thought everyone would take it for free and nobody would pay whatsoever. And I was extremely surprised that people paid whether they had to or not. You know, that was very gratifying. Um, so it's been going very well during those first couple of weeks. Of course, there was a big burst. And then every week we just build it um, a little more. I love when I see your e-newsletter coming onto my inbox because I think, I mean, a lot of people think that e-newsletters are one of the most powerful marketing tools because it's in your inbox. 
It's your choice if you're going to open it or not. Yeah, I think I think it's actually sort of changing um, the field of writing, changing the way people get information. I, I just look back at the way I was, you know, doing my job, you know, just two years ago or one year ago, and it's starting to feel a little archaic. I, I, I like doing it this new way. You know, I love hearing how you pivoted yourself and actually, you know, monetizing uh, your knowledge and your insights that you, you've built over the years. Yeah, you have to, I mean, or else you get left behind in whatever field you're in. For our listeners who are not yet subscribers, how can they join the mix? Um, it's, uh, you just go on Substack and then you type in the mix, the mix with Robert Simonson, or you could just type in cocktails. It will pop up. You click on it, and there are all kinds of subscription options right there on the newsletter. Another way to reach it is just like type into um, your toolbar, uh, robertsimonson.substack.com. It will take you directly there. And uh, if you don't see the subscribe button right away, it'll take a little navigating, maybe 30 seconds worth, and you'll find it. And then it gives you the whole array of options. Well, we are an annual subscriber, and we know every single time we get this e-newsletter, we're like, it's every penny is worth it. So our listeners, go ahead and subscribe because it's going to make you very happy every week. It'll be worth every penny. Absolutely, 100%. So, Robert, looking at uh, the remainder of 2022, what is your editorial vision? And are there any scoops in the pipeline that you could share? Well, at the beginning of the newsletter, I promised a mix of material based on uh, the kind, different kind of things I've, I've written over the years. You know, theater, travel, uh, regional food, cocktails, bars, restaurants, uh, New York history, Wisconsin history. And I'm trying to make sure that I make good on that, you know, and, uh, and post a little bit of that every week. Uh, I kind of do things on the fly. We plan the articles like maybe two weeks in advance because it, it becomes less lively that way. It's less fun. I need to do more uh, spirit stuff. I like to do more stuff about distilleries. Um, now that Omicron has faded and people are traveling more, I'd like to uh, take some trips and write from different locales. Any, any places in particular you want to visit? Well, we're, we're uh, planning out some uh, trip, a trip to Pittsburgh, a trip to Chicago, maybe L.A. I'm not going to tell you why. That'll be a surprise. I mean, at present, you know, I've been sort of like mining um, trips that I had taken in the recent past in order to uh, write articles um, that were not based in New York. I live in New York and obviously a lot of the materials about New York, uh, but I don't want to be too New York centric. That kind of like cuts out a lot of people. I want, I want people to know that, you know, that, uh, that I could be posting something about anywhere. And, and I, indeed I do. I'm interested in all those places. So then um, for our listeners beyond New York City, if they want to pitch their stories to you, what's the best way to go about it? Well, um, it's, they just can email me. Um, I don't think I'm going to say my email on this podcast, but my email is pretty easy to find. And uh, you can uh, just reach out to me. I have noticed ever since the newsletter started, publicists have been reaching out to me specifically uh, with information that they think might be a good fit for the newsletter. And they also seem to understand that, you know, I write for certain publications, but now there's. Um, now, there's another publication that's added to that, you know, that 
you know, if it doesn't fit there, it could fit here. So that that brings up an interesting point. How how would you say your e-newsletter content is different than, let's say, your articles for The Times or, you know, the other great outlets you write for, like Imbibe, VinePair? What's, what's the qualitative difference? I think the qualitative difference would be that the articles I'm writing for the newsletter are more personal. They are of personal interest to me. You can be sure that anything that I write on the newsletter, I'm really interested in. And writing the article was fun. For a magazine like Imbibe, I mean, it's a trade magazine. And, you know, it's speaking to the trade, the bar trade. Um, so it's got that approach. Uh, New York Times is a, uh, a, uh, a newspaper with an international reach. The articles I write for them are more newsworthy. You know, it's things that are happening right now, um, trend-oriented articles, an article about an important new bar opening or, or a bar closing or something like that. For instance, I, I wrote this article on, on the newsletter recently because I'm, I'm obsessed with regional food. I wrote about this regional food in Binghamton, New York called Hot Pie, which is what they call pizza up there. And it's slightly different from regular pizza. Now, I don't think I could have sold that article to anybody. Um, uh, the New York Times would, would think this does not have as much of, much of a reach. You know, there aren't people in L.A. or Seattle or Denver who are interested in what's going on in Binghamton. But, for, but now that doesn't matter because I'm interested in what's going on in Binghamton. And so I'm going to put it on the newsletter. So there's a better chance for something that's a little more eccentric, a little more off the beaten path, stuff that hasn't been written about before. Uh, let's circle back to the New York Times. So we really enjoyed reading your article on the reopening of Danny Meyer's Manhattan, which is uh, one of our favorite spots in Manhattan. So for the story like that, uh, what kind of lead time do you prefer for pitches? Well, that was very quick. Um, I was contacted by the publicist, I think, in late February. And when I got there to check out the space and try the cocktails, they let me know they were going to open on March 17th. So I had a very uh, little time to turn that around. Usually uh, a big ship like uh, the New York Times, it doesn't, it turns slowly, you know, like it doesn't turn very quickly. But this was a news story. Everybody knew about Manhattan and everybody was wondering whether it was going to reopen at all. Um, so I was able to uh, pitch that and they took it right away and they found space in the newspaper. I think the whole space between when I learned about it and when I, when I, when it ran, was about seven days, maybe. But that's very rare. For the rest of the world, who's interested in pitching you on their bar reopening or opening, what's the lead time? I would say that um, a safe lead time, you'd want to uh, pitch that idea at least three months ahead of the actual event. And that gives me time to formulate the pitch, send it in, wait for an answer, have a conversation with the editor. And if it's a yes, then uh, plenty of time to interview the people, take photographs, schedule it in the paper. And we, we also enjoyed your uh, time story on the grasshopper cocktail, <laughs> uh, especially the ice cream versions uh, exactly. so popular in the Midwest. That, that article had a surprising uh, reaction. I actually pitched an article about grasshoppers two years ago, and they said no. 
Um, but I kept my eye out because I had this feeling that, you know, the grasshopper was being taken seriously again and it was being made well. So I kept looking for grasshoppers. And then finally, I the turning point is when I went to Emmettson Grove, which is this new restaurant in New York that is supposed to have a Midwestern tavern feel. And they don't have it on the menu, but an off-menu item was a grasshopper, and they made it in the Midwestern style, which is an ice cream drink. And so I thought, if if ice cream grasshoppers have made it to New York, the grasshopper is back. It's definitely a guilty pleasure. That's right. And, and people don't have to be embarrassed about ordering it or saying they like them. Also, Robert, your time story on Italian beef sandwiches was amazing. Uh, yes. I mean, as you know, I write mainly about cocktails and uh, people, as I said before, one of the problems I have is that, you know, if I pitch a food story, they don't really listen to me. You know, they've got food stories. Um, my original idea for that was uh, just to write a story about the this hot dog place in, um, in Windsor Terrace called Dog Day Afternoon. They serve Chicago style hot dogs and they were bringing in the Italian beef. And I thought, well, they're they're doing all the Italian thing, all the Chicago things. Like maybe there's a story. Uh, my timing was bad though because there was someone at the Times who was already working on a piece, a big piece about Italian beef. And so I quickly pivoted. There's that word again. I pivoted and I said, "Well, what about a sidebar? Because if New York Times readers read this article and then they don't know where to get Italian beef in their own city, they're going to be mad." So I said, what if I write something about like where you can get Chicago Italian beef outside of Chicago? And they took that. Any tips for chefs who's listening to our show on how to get your attention? Well, if you go to the Substack newsletter, there is a, a thing there where you can contact me and you, you, you email me and, and it comes right to my email. So that's a way to do it. And also I'm on Instagram and anyone can feel free to just send me a direct message. So, Robert, looking looking back at our first chat in our inaugural episode, you broke some pretty significant news by announcing your new book, Mezcal and Tequila Cocktails. So we, we thank you again for giving us that scoop. And we have our fingers crossed that perhaps you have some more news to break today with our listeners. Uh, any new books in the pipeline or such? Uh, yes. I mean, I can't say it's a complete scoop because I mentioned it in an early article in my newsletter. But I don't think many people picked up on it. That was an early piece. So I have a new book coming out. It's coming out October 4th. And the title is Modern Classic Cocktails. And the subject is Modern Classic Cocktails. So, you know, this is a, a subject that I've written about a lot over the years for various publications. You know, the drinks that were invented in the last 25 years that uh, stuck around and became popular with the... Uh, with the population. So uh, now it's in a book form, um, selected about, you know, uh, 60, 65 cocktails, and then tell the stories behind their creation. Recipes, of course, beautiful photography by Lizzie Monroe again. And we're just, uh, we're just wrapping that up. I think that's probably going to go to the printer um, in a couple weeks. Great. Let's move on to travel, because I know you love traveling with your lovely wife, Mary Kate. The world is reopening. So what country would you like to visit with Mary-Kate and why? Uh, the first the country I'd like to visit first is Italy, and I will be visiting it in May. 
they have a bar convention there called, uh, I think it's called Bar Roma. Um, so I'm going to Rome and I was invited. Actually, I was invited back in 2019. And then, of course, you know what happened after that. And it just did not happen. It's like we've been trying to do this for three years. So I'm going to go there and talk about the history the, of the cocktail revival. I believe Salvatore Calabrese is going to be on stage with me asking questions. Um, so that is in late May. Amazing, amazing. Actually, I remember the one and only cocktail maestro, Salvatore Calabrese, promoting your newsletter uh, on his Instagram story. So I know he's a huge fan of you already. So I can only imagine what you guys can talk about on stage. Can't wait to tune in. It'll be fun. I haven't been back to Rome in a while, and I have a lot of cocktail bars to catch up on there. What's your favorite cocktail that you'd like to share with Mary-Kate? Well, uh, her favorite cocktail is Manhattan, and that's pretty much what I share with her a lot. All right. You know, Mary-Kate and I have the same interest. She has good taste in cocktails and, and in husbands. You like vodka martinis, don't you, Hannah? Oh, my God. Vodka martini. Start with a vodka martini and then end with Manhattan. Okay. Got it. That's what I call perfect night. Wonderful. So, Robert, we call our podcast Hospitality Forward because we're bullish on the industry. So what individual or organization have you seen really innovating as of late and moving hospitality forward? That's ah, a good question. Um, it's been an exciting time because bars are reopening and new bars are opening. It's just nice, it's nice to see that life you know, after after so much, you know, inactivity and, uh, you know, things were just kind of quiet for a while. Um, I think I need to get out there more to different cities and see what they're doing. I haven't, uh, uh, Ryan Chetty of the, you know, the Lion family of bars is always an innovator. I have not been down to his bar in D.C., Silver Lion, yet, but I'm anxious to check that out. Cocktail scene in DC is really fascinating. Really coming up. Mm -hmm. What What are you excited about in the like among bar people among new bars? I just feel like a lot of next generation bartenders are uh, doing a lot of amazing things and having ownership of the bars and so being a partner of the bars. So I think they're making that jump from bartender to bar owners and bar partners. I think that's fascinating um, to see how the, the bartender, you know, the job as a career can take it to the next level, having an ownership of the bars and being a partner of the bar. So I think for me personally, I think that's interesting. And we, we totally agree. We're definitely seeing a, a thaw after a very long ice age, or at least that's what it felt like. Yes, yes, it does feel that way. Things, I mean, I ha I'm hesitant to say things like getting back to normal because I don't think that will happen. I think we're going to have a new normal. We just don't know what it is yet. But uh, there have been events and bar openings lately where it, it has felt like the before times. Before you go, Robert, there's a lot of bars who have PR agency like us on board who can tell their, their story on behalf of them. But there's so many bartenders and bar owners nationwide don't have the PR agency. So what kind of tips, like when they reach out to you, do they have you know perfect bio or perfect pitch? Or can they just email you and say, uh, I am based in Austin, I own this bar, and 
simply introducing themselves? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, keep it personal. I, I don't think people should like break their neck coming up with like the perfect pitch that is actually 500 to 1000 words long. You know, just start with one sentence and introduce yourself, you know, here's who I am. And I think that might have something that would interest you. And can I email it to you? And then I'll reply and say, sure, go ahead. And so, you know, that's a good way to get somebody's interest. First, you just introduce yourself. You don't send all these words because then you just your eyes kind of glaze over. But just, you know, say, hi, you know, do you want to hear about what I'm doing? And I say, of course, I'm a reporter and I always want to hear. Um, so that's one way. And um, and then there's the newsletter. We're coming back to the newsletter again. If you uh, subscribe to the newsletter and reach out to me that way, I mean, that's where I'm spending a lot of my attention right now, and you're bound to get my attention. All right, listeners, go find Robert on his e-newsletter, The Mix. And thank you so much, Robert, as always. And, you know, what you do is so inspiring. And thanks for what you do for our community and continue to spotlighting our wonderful newsmakers in our industry, whether they are bartenders or bar owners or spirits brand owners. Thank you and thank you and thank you. Of course, it's my job. Robert always brings such a spirited and thoughtful perspective to his stories. And now that you know what he's looking for, please feel free to email him and introduce yourself. And don't forget to mention our podcast in your subject line. Until then, join us as we move hospitality forward together. Mm -hmm.